Sporting World was looking for something on this date, this date being March 18, 1995. The Sporting World was looking for something on this date. How many years ago that is? 24 years ago, whatever it was. On this date in the NBA, admits to Major League Baseball being in the middle of a strike, the National Hockey League in a lockout with its players, and the O.J. Simpson idiot trial in full swing, the world of sports needed something. And on this date, Michael Jordan supplied that something by announcing his return to the NBA after his 18th-month sabbatical to chase his baseball dream was over. And with that, welcoming you to this 326th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. Um, Obviously, um, for some reason, I remember that vividly. Not the day. Obviously, I was looking at something today, and it was mentioned in there, but... Michael Jordan came back after his 18-month hiatus trying to chase his baseball baseball dream, which would, he would tell you was always his first love, and it was always his father's first love. But obviously, he tried it. He wasn't very good at it. And after batting about 225 for a year and a half, he came back and led the Chicago Bulls to three more NBA championships. And if you remember the ironic thing about it and why jersey sales spiked like they did in the middle of 1995 was that Michael Jordan came back in number 45 instead of number 23. He ultimately went back to 23 because 45 looked stupid. But uh, Michael Jordan comes back to the NBA after an 18-month hiatus playing baseball. A lot of things to talk about. A lot of NFL news. Um, Can talk about that for sure. The NBA, the NHL. Uh, college basketball takes center stage pretty much for the next three weeks. And I'm not talking about the NIT tournament, folks. I'm talking about the NC2A basketball tournament. Now it's a field of 68, which starts tomorrow with the two or four play-in games or whatever it is. The four play I should say, play-in games to get it down to a field of 64. I've got my, uh, I've got my brackets filled out. Duke is the overall number one seed. Uh, it's Duke is number one. The other number one seeds are North Carolina, Gonzaga, and the University of Virginia are the number one seeds in the respective brackets. But Duke is the number one overall seed. I don't agree with that. Yes, they're the best team in the country when Zion Williamson plays, but they're, they had five or six losses this year. Does that just, and and we all know, but they still won a couple of games when Zion Williamson was not playing, but they are such a preferential treatment to Shusevsky and the Duke program that even with five or six losses, the Duke Blue Devils go in as the number one overall rated team, seeded team in this tournament, and I don't agree with that. Duke will probably win it. They're the odds-on favorite to do so, and when they're healthy, they are the best team in the country. But their, their seeding should not be number one overall. They lost six games during the regular season. Virginia didn't lose six games. Gonzaga didn't lose six games. UNC beat Duke twice. That's my small problem. Welcome to the program. I know I'm telling you to get indoctrinated into the world of college basketball, but the one thing I remember about you a year and a half ago was the one thing that you stayed on top of besides the NFL and the uh, National Hockey League was during this time of the college basketball season. So we're here now, and welcome. And uh, I know you haven't filled out your your pool because you actually have a job but uh what's your feeling what have you seen i I told you to do some studying on what's going on with Mm -hmm. the six the field of 68 so the the uh, microphone is yours sir thanks well i haven't filled out my bracket yet like i like you said but 
Uh, it's interesting that both uh, the guy that I like to read when it comes to basketball, as well as our Vancouver Bureau Chief, both have the Michigan State Spartans mm. to uh, win it all. Now, in Sean's case, it's because that's actually, number one, his favorite team, and he always picks them every year, even though he just told me today that he's not really expecting them to win. And number two, because last time I was in Vegas, I made a couple of futures bets for our buddy Sean. One of them was for the Oilers to win the Cup this year, which isn't looking like a great bet right now. And the other futures bet was for the Spartans to win March Madness. So he does have uh, the money riding on it. So if the Spartans do pull it off, like my uh, other guy that I read is going to say that they're going to, uh, then boy, Sean will be doubly happy. That'll be fun. I forget what he can win. Uh, 700 bucks. I forget what it is. Something like that. But anyway, the thing with Duke, I think it depends on if you want to look at it as uh, a meritocracy, which frankly, college basketball, football, all of it, the people who run the NCAA, the National Communists Against <laughs> Athletes, as you say, those people, frankly, have no credibility to me when it comes to, oh, they're just seeding the best and in, in, in great order, because if we see how poorly they are at doing it in, and just like ridiculous and biased they are in football, I seriously doubt that basketball is any different. So let's have some fun with it and let's look at it in the same way that you know, the handicapping of uh, golf takes place, for example, or any of the big sports when someone's going in. When Tiger Woods is hot and he's going into a big major, he's going to be ranked number one whether he deserves it or not. So I think if you look at it from that perspective, from a betting perspective, Duke is the correct choice to be number one because they've got R.J. Barrett and because they've got Zion Williamson. So everybody's going to be having Duke as their number one this year. So because of that, if we look at it from a betting perspective, because the NCAA has no credibility whatsoever, I would say that Duke should be number one in that circumstance. Well, I think they're, they are the best team in the country. But again, they're... They're taking something away from the regular season in regard to what it means. And and then ultimately, of course, the conference championship games. And they lost more games than other teams that were first overall seeded. So there is a preference, I believe. And I think probably Krzyzewski has earned that right for what he's done at, at Duke and what he's done with the U.S. Olympic men's basketball team. I mean, the guy's a winner through and through. Uh, but I just feel that, that in this instance, I believe that the University of the Virginia Cavaliers should have been the number one overall in this tournament. I That's just my personal preference. I chickened out. I went with three of the top four. I have Duke winning the East. I have Virginia winning the South. I have Gonzaga winning the West. But I have Kentucky. Uh, instead of North Carolina, I have the Kentucky Wildcats as a two-seed winning the Midwest. And I see Michigan State winning uh, two games, but then I have them losing to LSU in round three uh, in the East. Uh, Gonzaga, I think Gonzaga's got, of the four number ones, I believe Gonzaga's got the easiest, easiest, and nothing, nothing's easy, guys. I'm just saying they have the less treacherous way of securing their final four appearance in Minneapolis this year. I believe Gonzaga has probably, a lot of people are thinking Michigan as the second seed in the West, but Michigan just lost for the second time in two weeks against Michigan State. They lost the last game of the regular season in the Big Ten season. They lost the Big Ten championship game this last weekend in Chicago. 
I don't think Michigan is playing as well as they were when they obviously had won their first, I don't know what it was, 18, 19 in a row this year before they lost at the end of January. I think Gazzaniga wins the West by default. I just think, uh, and you know, folks, I know a lot of people aren't looking at the Villanova Wildcats, but Villanova has won this the big dance two out of the last three years. And obviously they were decimated by guys going to the NBA or their eligibility had expired, whatever have you. But Villanova is going to be a player in the South region. I truly believe that. I have Villanova against Virginia in the final of the South region. And even though I picked Virginia, wouldn't surprise me one damn bit if Jay Wright's Villanova Wildcats were in Minneapolis the first week, or the first weekend, or in early April. I believe Villanova is that good, and I believe that Jay Wright is that good a coach. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Two of the last three, and nobody's talking about them. You're absolutely right. When it comes to Michigan State versus Michigan, Michigan State's actually 3-0 and against Michigan this year. And uh, why would that change if they meet again? So uh, I do. Uh, ha- I have seen some brackets where those two are meeting in the Final Four. And uh, if that's the case, why would it be any different this time? Michigan State does seem to have their number. And uh, I'll be rooting for our buddy Sean for sure. I'm also happy to see UCF in there since they never get any love on the football side. Nice to see that they're getting it on the basketball side. So I'm excited to fill up my bracket and uh, have some fun with it and call for some upsets, though. Now, you've got Virginia winning it all. But now, after last year, becoming the first number one of any kind to lose to a 16, never mind the first true number one. Yep to win it all or to lose it all I should say do you think that they're that's going to mess with their head I mean on one hand you'd think okay like no matter who they're playing they're going to be taking this game seriously in round one but do you think that that could mess with their head so much that they could just be really 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 tight and just and maybe uh, maybe mess it up again no I think uh, if anything it's going to help them uh, there's you know obviously memories of losing to Baltimore County last year as the number one overall seed in last year's tournament. Virginia is very well coached by a guy from, oh, gee, Wisconsin, Tony Bennett. Um, I really believe that if there is a team out there that can beat Duke, I believe it is Virginia. Um, I think that uh, the Cavaliers are are, are on their way to, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and Greg will probably know and he'll tell me anyway, but off the top of my head, I believe this would be the first Final Four appearance for the Virginia Cavaliers since back in the Ralph Sampson days, which is the early 1980s, late 70s in that era. And uh, Terry Holland was the coach. But I believe Virginia is the team that can ultimately knock off Duke. And, you know, you've got to have a few upsets. I think your bracket will be much more reflective of that than mine. I think you've got to have a couple of upsets to make any hay in the tournament. Every favorite is never going to win there's never there's never i mean there's never going to be duke duke is the odds on favorite i know that they're the odds on favorite to win the tournament the odds on favorite to win the tournament in vegas and yada 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 and they should win you know god save the queen but there are you know the perfect bracket has yet to be accomplished yeah. There's going to be somebody in there like a Loyola of Chicago from last year. There's going to be somebody in there this year like I believe Auburn is a team that people had better watch out about. The Auburn Tigers from the Southeast Conference, uh, their coach Bruce Pearl used to be at Tennessee until he got caught with bringing uh, recruits over for barbecues at his house, and that was in, 
That was in violation of the NC2A, and he got fired over that. That's what I call. That's why I call the NCAA the National Communists Against Athletes. There's always going to be somebody in there that's going to upset the whole enchilada. Steph Curry at Davidson years ago. Who the hell is Davidson College? And really, nobody knew Steph Curry until that great tournament run that he led Davidson College on years ago. All the great basketball schools in North Carolina and the one that gets represented that year, Steph Curry's senior season, Davidson College. A little private school in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I'll be very interested to see, but I want you to, while you're making out your your bracket when you get a chance, I want you to think about the guys that got screwed. There's always a number of schools every year that get screwed that don't make it. This year, last year, they had a thing called RPI. This year, they replaced it with net, a net ranking. The net ranking takes into account things such as strength of schedule, game results, efficiency on both ends of the court, and scoring margin. If you're looking for two universities that got screwed, and remember, there are 68 teams in this field. So in your mind, you think about the top 68 ranked schools in the country that should get into this tournament before anybody else. Well, what if you're at North Carolina State or Clemson today? North Carolina got screwed the worst. They had a net ranking of 33. So that at 33 should have put them in a tournament. Clemson with a net rating of 35. Some of the teams that got in to the big dance, that they had a worse NET than North Carolina State or Clemson. Some of the teams that got to the big dance. What the hell is the Belmont? Belmont got in with a net rating of 47. The Temple Owls got in with a net rating of 56. Arizona State, they can't even spell net rating. They're coached by Bobby Hurley, that moron that played at Duke years ago with Christian Leitner. Arizona State got in with a 63 net rating. And St. John's from the Big East Conference, most famous years ago with a coach by the name of Louis Carnesecca. St. John's gets in with a net rating of 73. How does a 47, a 56, a 63, and a 73 get in the damn tournament ahead of a team with a 33 or a 35. So I want you to look at that and see if there's some teams that, and it's funny, I was just real quick, right off the top of my head, I can remember this. I still have a few brain cells left. Not many working, but none working. Um, But I found this hilarious. These two schools that got screwed, North Carolina State and Clemson, they are playing in the, in the uh, NIT tournament, National Invitation Tournament the losers division, but they didn't even get a one seed in the NIT. Both of those schools are two seeds in the NIT. So this there is not a perfect system. I read and, and kind of listen and watch what Joe Lunardi says on a daily basis once we get to February with his mox field of 64 or 68, but there is no perfect system. And if you're at North Carolina North Carolina State and Clemson today, I feel worse for North Carolina State because Clemson's got a great football program. They win all the time. They're in the headlines. But North Carolina State sucks at everything. And here they are with a 33 rating, and they can't get in the big dance. Well, you had asked me earlier today to uh, take a look at this. So I did some research, and I found a number of teams that got screwed in certain ways, either by being left out of the tournament completely or just being 
uh, screwed when it comes to seating. So one interesting one I found was Seton Hall, where because they were one of just 19 teams with at least 14 wins against the top two quadrants. Mm -hmm. The other 18 combined for this. Three number one seeds, four number two seeds, four number three seeds, three number four seeds, three number five seeds, and a number six seed. What's Seton Hall? Tenth. Yeah. I actually have uh, Seton Hall winning their first round game, but then they lose in the second round to Kentucky. But um, there's a lot of abnormalities in this. Well, here's one that I think might uh, resonate with you is uh, Wisconsin, because they're saying... uh, this article at least claims that they're at a major geographical disadvantage in their first round game uh, because Wisconsin has to face Oregon, which is about a nine hour drive uh, to wherever they have to go to have their game. San Jose. Oh, wow. Okay. They're playing in San Jose. They're going from Eugene, Oregon to San Jose, California, which like you say is about a nine hour drive. Oh yeah. But that beats the 26 hour drive for Kansas state fans and 31 uh, oh, that because Kansas uh, got screwed too, I guess. Kansas State's in the same. I think Kansas State's yeah. in the same bracket. Yeah, thirty-one hours from yeah. uh, Wisconsin to uh, San Jose. Well, what I want to figure out with Wisconsin's bid this year is that this is the third time that Wisconsin, in their last three tournament appearances, this is the third time in a row, or something like that. But when the when the Badgers made the famous run to the Final Four in twenty fourteen, and then repeated by going to the Final Four and in moved on to the national championship game in 2015. Those two years in a row, each of those two years, they played the University of Oregon. And now, guess what? They're playing the University of Oregon again, and Oregon basically is the home team. How is that? As a 12 seed, has a game nine hours away, and as Chris just reported, the Badgers have to go 31 hours. Now, obviously, it won't be 31 hours because the Badgers will jump on their charter and go to San Jose. But still... There are a lot of abnormalities. There isn't a perfect, there isn't a perfect uh, way to do this. I remember when it used to be thirty-two teams. I have grandfathers that once told me he remembers when it was four teams. So we've come a long way, but uh, still not perfect. Um, interesting. The conference that had the most invitees was the Big Ten. They had eight. And I'm a little bit surprised by that, but they got it right. Indiana, even though I'm a Big Ten guy, Indiana did not deserve to be in the tournament because that would have been just on reputation and past loyalties and past successes because of the national championship years under Bobby Knight. But that was eons ago. That was a generation ago now. Indiana hasn't been prevalent in a long, long time. So... Interesting to see the madness get started tomorrow with the play-in games and then the field that narrows the field down to 64 and the uh, real tournament, I guess, starts Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening. Lots and lots of basketball over the next week. College basketball. They'll go from 68 to 16 to 4 to 1. And um, a lot of people will say Duke. I'm thinking Duke will probably win. I don't want them to. That's why I'm picking the Virginia Cavaliers. Well, I've, I'll tell you this. I will not be putting Duke as my champion simply because everybody else is going to put well, Duke exactly. as their champion. So for, if for no other reason, I'll tell you, I, there's no way I'm making Duke win the whole thing just for that reason. Because can you imagine if Duke get, gets upset in like round one or two? Holy moly, like everyone's bracket's dead right there. So 
yeah, I mean, I appreciate that the, the two biggest names in the whole, uh, you know, tournament are on the same team, but uh, they're just set up for a letdown here. So let's try to uh, bet against them and uh, look like geniuses. Again, welcome to this 326th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, uh, talking a little college basketball as the field of 68 has been set. But another big thing happens uh, 10 days from today, and that's besides the 20-whatever, 24th anniversary of Michael Jordan coming back to the NBA after an 18-month hiatus of trying to hit a baseball again. Um, 10 days until opening day in Major League Baseball. Are you excited? <laughs> no. I have one question, though. And I always have trouble with this name. You'll know exactly where I'm talking about. And this guy, I think, has really become the official poster child of some salary... What's the word we were thinking about before those two idiots, Machado and Harper, got signed? Fiscal responsibility. Oh, yeah. How can, how can a former uh, Cy Young Award winner, Dallas... Keichel? Yeah. I did it right? Yeah, yeah. How is he not signed? Ten days away from from the start of the Major League Baseball season. Ten days away from the Major League Baseball season. And a former Cy... And this guy isn't old. I mean, he's not 40 looking for a hangers-on contract. This guy, I believe, is 30-31 at the most. Won the Cy Young Award a couple years ago with the Houston Astros. And he can't find a job. The other guy that can't find a job is the all-star closer of the Boston Red Sox, Craig Kimbrell. How come this guy, these guys can't can't find jobs? Oh, I, I can tell you how you can, can't find jobs. Idiots. But um, one's a former Cy Young Award winner. One was the closer last year for the Boston Red Sox, who won another World Series championship. So... But yeah, 10 days until the start of Major League Baseball season, and I know this is exciting to the six remaining Seattle Mariners fans, but this year the Mariners open the season over in Japan, probably against the Oakland A's, because the Oakland A's will play anybody anywhere because it's better than playing in that toilet in Oakland that they play in right now. The Oakland Alameda back, uh, uh, Oakland Alameda Colony Coliseum, the one that has the black backflow to- toilet problem all the time. I think it's the A's, but Ichiro, I think he's about 65. I think he's 45. Is he? I th- he's got to be mid-40s. I think, I think I'm pretty sure he's actually 45. I'm making a joke at 65, but I'm I'm thinking Chris is right. He's about, he will be in the opening day lineup this year for the Seattle Mariners when they open at the Tokyo Dome in downtown Tokyo. Yeah, absolutely. And I just saw today they had a highlight of uh, Ichiro making an amazing throw as if he was 25 from the outfield is drilling into third base and looks great still so uh yeah no he's a he's a he's quite the guy for sure so Ichiro uh probably a hall of famer what do you say well I think he's a hall of famer I think uh between his his uh great career in Japan the first time around comes over to the Seattle Mariners hits 3,000 hits as a member of the Mariners the Yankees and the Florida Marlins, I want to say. Miami Marlins at the end before he comes back to Seattle. Last year, he was basically the bench coach for the Mariners, but I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think that he's opened the doors for a lot of uh, Japanese, Asian, Korean players to find their way to the major leagues. And I think with the way he hit the ball and and the way he produced, and it wasn't just the hits either. He he played an all-star outfield for many, many years. For the Seattle Mariners, I think he's a Hall of Famer. 
Yeah, for sure. And he's a classic name. And, you know, he introduced North American audiences to uh, getting known by your first name and then having your first name on the back of your jersey. Because in, in Japan, if you don't know, they announce you with your family name first because that's more important. Correct. So that's what they do. So they would. So there he is. He'd be uh, Suzuki Ichiro. So, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That, that, that's how they'd announce it. I know, yeah. I know. It's yeah. just funny when you say it that way, though. Well, it is funny, but I mean, for me, I mean, I'm used to it because I've, I watched a lot of Japanese wrestling growing up, and I'm just used well, to I was seeing, in the middle. The... I was in the Far East for 18 months, so I, missed, I'm, I knew a lot of Mr. Lee's. Oh, yeah. Lots of Mr. Lee's. Mm-hmm. Mr. Lee, nice guy. Lots of that. Lots and lots of that. Too much of that sometimes. Um, we've got to run on this 326th episode of unscripted things I want to talk about later on in the week. National Football League, a lot of things going on in the second week of free agency. I want to get Chris's opinion on some of the crazy things that have happened on this Monday in the National Football League. We'll certainly talk about that. The NBA, a possible, I believe, Eastern Conference preview, Eastern Conference finals preview on Sunday from Milwaukee between the 76ers and the Bucks. Um, don't get too excited, Philly. I know you won, but the Bucks are still seven games ahead of the Sixers with 13 left. So, yeah, forget it. Um, we can talk about that for sure. I also want Chris to think about something here. The Mount Rushmore. I would be interested to see what Chris would have to say is who he would put. Besides Wayne Gretzky, who would he put as the other three members of the Mount Rushmore of the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club? I'm looking for the four. The guys, you know, Mount Rushmore in... South Dakota in the United States with the four U.S. presidents. Yeah. Who would be on your favorite teams or any teams? Mount Rushmore. Players, though, not owners, not coaches, not general managers. Because, again, if you go to the Green Bay Packers, how can you not put on the Mount Rushmore, the Green Bay Packers, how can you not put uh, Curly Lambeau and Vince Lombardi? I want just players. Just players, guys. Just players. We can talk about that. Uh, Joe Quenville and that we got a shitload of things to talk about, and we'll start right after this. We've got to put the finishing touches though on this 326th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. A lot of things to talk about, and uh, we'll get to them right after we get through with this. Having said all that awkward stuff, I'm just I'm just not quite there yet today. I I don't know. I was listening to 325 the other day, or actually this afternoon. 324 on my walk, 325 on my walk this afternoon, and there's something wrong with me. I don't know what it is. I'm just not myself. I can't figure it out. But when I do, I'll sure as hell let you know. Having said all that, for the executive producer of our little program, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.